Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the state of Israel. Um, hey, listen, if this is your first time watching this video on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. If you want to take this with you to, I don't know, you got the gyms open, you can go there, you want to go for a run, you want to listen to us in your car, you can download us Download us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. Okay, guys, hey. Welcome to the show. Um, this one is probably going to be one of the most important episodes that I ever do. Um, it is, I'm if if you saw the title of it, <laughs> you you know, this one is about Zionism. What is Zionism? There that that question is so so packed. There are. So many different kinds of Zionism, but they all boil down to the same thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start. First off, I have a ton of notes. If you're watching this, you can see I have just tons and tons of notes. Uh, but I'm going to start off with reading exactly. And this is important because there are a lot of uh, misconceptions about what Zionism actually is. Um and I'm going to I'm going to let you know. I'm going to give you the definition of Zionism. So, Zionism if I can read this, Zionism is both an ideology and nationalist movement among the Jewish people that espouses the reestablishment of and support for a Jewish state in the territory defined as a historic land of Israel, roughly corresponding to Canaan, the Holy Land, or the region of Palestine. Modern Zionism emerged in the late 19th century in Central and Eastern Europe as a national revival movement, both in reaction to newer waves of anti-Semitism and as a response to a scala or Jewish Enlightenment. We're going to come back to that. Soon after this, most leaders of the movement associated the main goal with creating the desired state in Palestine, then an area controlled by the Ottoman Empire. Now, a lot of people come out and they say that Zionism is uh, just a response to the Holocaust. Okay, and that since the state was established in 1948, they incorrectly assume that events during World War II, which happened uh, from 39 to 45 with, you know, the Holocaust, um, that that's the reason why Zionism and the state of Israel occurred. Well, that's not true. It's not true. It's not true at all. It all, um, it's interesting. It's fascinating, actually. And I took a couple of classes when I was in college on this. I'm a Jewish studies. I was uh, a Jewish studies major in college at the City College of New York. Go Jewish Harvard. Go Beavers. Um, 
And well, that's an interesting story. So City College of New York was called the Jewish Harvard because um, Jews couldn't get into the into Harvard. And uh, that was a school that um, brought about some great Jewish minds, some great Jewish thinkers, poets, writers, um, political minds, all of that. But that's another story. We'll talk about that later. What we're talking about right now is Zionism. Now, where did Zionism, what is the core, uh, we know what the core tenets are. What, what, what led to the development of Zionism? Well, that comes from as they were talking about the Haskalah movement. And I may be saying that incorrectly. Uh, some of these terms, you know, different professors pronounce it differently. So if I get it wrong, please just bear with me. The information is correct. So that concept of Jewish elevation, of being better than what Eastern European, well, being better than what European countries' uh, notion of what the Jew is and what the Jew could become became part of what's called the Jewish Enlightenment, um, the, the Haskalah. Uh, Moses Mendelssohn, and uh, he he was a prime mover in that movement. Prime mover in that movement. So um, from this, you got the concept and, and this group of writers who were the Maskelim, and the Maskelim were the people who um, looked to create this mythic identity for Jews. Not, and, and it's weird because when I say mythic, not mythic in the sense that it's all made up, but mythic in the sense of um, chest out, shoulders back, uh, stand with your head held high. And this, of course, led to what I've referenced before, which is, and I love this phrase, masculine, masculine Judaism, which is not, which has what I guess what would be called a sexualized term, but it's not. It's a because women could be take part in masculine Judaism. And it was just the concept of working the land and being physically strong and self-sufficient and self-reliant. Because in these places, um, land ownership by Jews wasn't allowed. It just wasn't something that was ever, ever, ever going to happen. So these groups of people in the Scala movement and in, in these Maskelim, these writers, they got together and they came up with these ideas and these concepts for um, developing and moving Jews to a place where they could be safe. Because at the time, at the turn of the 20th century and prior to that, there were pogroms, massacres, where they... These, these armed groups would come in and slaughter and rape and, and just kill men, women, and children wantonly uh, because they were Jews. Um, sometimes it was religious. You know, we're, we're Christian, we're Eastern Orthodox, we're Catholic, we have to do this. And these pogroms go all the way back to, uh, all the way from what I've seen. They'd probably go back further, but they go all the way back to the Crusades where the Rhine Valley had some prominent um, pogroms by uh, Catholic crusaders leaving towards the Holy Land um, to liberate it. 
<laughs> so nice of you. Um, so, <laughs> so, pogroms and personal safety was something that was that was of paramount importance to these Jews living at this time. So, with this history of deference to greater forces, they said, no, we want to be stronger than that. We want to be better than that. Um, some of the, and of course, there were events that acted as catalysts to pushing the, uh, the Zionist movement forward. One of them, uh, the seminal moment for Theodore Herzl was during, um, the Dreyfus affair when a French captain, I think it was a captain, French captain was accused of, um, treason. He was a member of the high command and he was accused of treason for Germany, I think it was. And when it turns out, it was actually a Hungarian guy who did it. Son of a gun. Um, but that led him to write, and I have it here, that led him to write uh, a pamphlet called Der Judenstadt, um, the state of the Jews. This was before he even thought, wrote the Jewish state. Um, which was the boom, basically the model, uh, the, what would we would call the modern, uh, framework for, uh, Zionist ideals on what a Jewish state would be like. Now I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Hold on one second. Peter, that was for you. Boom. Love the coffee. Um, all right. So now that we know what Zionism is and we know that Zionism goes all the way back to, I, I mean, even we, we could say as a political movement all the way back to the 1700s, late 1700s, it really started to gain ground in the late 1800s and a number of different Zionist streams or concepts or ideas on what Zionism meant to different communities. Now you have to understand Zionism. Oh, that was hiccups from the coffee. Sorry. So a lot of people, when they think of Zionism right now, they think of settlers in the West Bank, in Judea and Samaria. And that's true. Um, they are Zionists, absolutely. But Zion, that's, and, and from what I understand, a large number of those individuals are, um, Dati Leumi, they're religious Zionists. Um, and that sort of pretty much in the public frame in the public mind is what people think of when they think of Zionists. They think of them, ironically, they think of them as extremists. And um, I don't subscribe to that. Um, Zionism is anyone who ascribes to the, um, the establishment of a home, a national home for the Jewish people. Um, and that, as I said, goes all the way back. Now, what I was talking about when I said there were different flavors of Zionism, I'm going to read off a bunch of these. Um, and they started with, uh, in the modern sense, they started with what's called practical Zionism. And that is a need in practical terms to implement Jewish immigration to the land of Israel, aliyah, or moving up the immigration of 
Jews to Israel and settlement of the land as soon as possible, even if a charter over the land is not obtained. Now, that last sentence is really important because in the early days, um, I think the Rothschilds were involved in it. The, the banking family, the Rothschilds, they, they, uh, there were Rothschilds who were ardent Zionists who supported uh, moving families to Eretz Israel, to Israel, um, the home of what they perceived and what I perceive as the home of the Jews, the historical homeland of the Jews. And they wanted to get them moving there. And even if they had to lease the land, move there. Um, there were land purchases that were done by on well hold on because that rolls into <laughs> that rolls into the next which is political zionism and i discuss i started discussing that when i started when i brought up theodore herzl now theodore herzl well the practical zionists um their main um people who are who are involved in that their main figureheads are moshe lieb Lillenbaum and Leon Pinsker and these were some great uh, Pinsker was a big Haskalah mind um, so that goes back to the 1880s I'm pretty sure if I'm wrong let me know um, but the political Zionism was the next step but these were all contemporaries was the next step and that was Theodore Herzl and Max Nordau and they established the Zionist organization, the World Jewish Congress. And we're going to talk about, we're going to wrap this whole Zionism uh, segment up with that. Now, Theodore Herzl, um, their approach espoused um, establishing for the Jewish people a publicly and legally assured home in Palestine. So what they wanted to do, they started by going to the Kaiser and asking him, I think it was the Kaiser, was it the Kaiser? What's his name? Maybe it, maybe he wasn't called the... I think it was. But he went and tried to get Germany to advocate on their behalf. And then he went and got uh, Britain to advocate on their behalf. And that's where uh, it was It was Britain who really came to the rescue and uh, and helped them out with that. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to talk about that right now because those are the, they're a bunch of British and UN documents. Um, and they come later in the story and we're going to talk about that because I am going to do an episode on pre-state Israel. Um, the next one is synthetic Zionism, which I didn't even know was a thing, which was espoused by Chaim Weitzman. Uh, hold on just one sec. Leo Motskin and Nahum Sokolov. Sokolov. Um, you have to be careful because some of these are Eastern European names, the W's or the V's and whatever. Um, and basically synthetic Zionism was just a, uh, a, a bundling of practical Zionism and political Zionism. Um, so those were the early, 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 way back before we even got people into Israel. Then we move into the Zionism as it morphed over time, um, and not much time, like a couple of decades, into labor Zionism. Now, labor Zionism, I will say, existed at around the same time as these others. Um, 
as social movements among socialist Jews um, in Poland and Lithuania and Russia to some degree, but the big hotbeds were Poland and Lithuania. And that was uh, Nachman Sirkin, Ber Borakov, Chai um, Arlasarov, and Burl Katznelson. So it's interesting because um, this the labor Zionism developed off of Moses, and it might be Moses Hess instead of Moses Mendelssohn. I may have had the uh, the Haskala man wrong, but hey, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll learn from our mistakes. So Moses Hess's um, 1862 work, Rome and Jerusalem, um, the last national question, advocated moving Jews out of Europe and into um, what was Ottoman Palestine at the time. And Ber Berkov, uh, continuing on Hess's work, uh, he proposed the creation of a socialist society that would correct the inverted pyramid of Jewish society. Now you have to understand Jews were living in shtetls at the time. They were living in um they were living in they were living in a section of Eastern Europe that was specifically tracted out for them by the czars. They couldn't leave, they couldn't move. Um, they could only get the jobs that were available, that were allotted. There were a certain number of jobs that Jews could have. Um, some of the, one of the stories of one of these men was that they wanted to be a lawyer, but there were only certain number of slots for Jewish lawyers. So he became a doctor, which is hilarious that you could become a doctor, but I guess the doctor wasn't as elevated a status as it is today. Um, but What's interesting about the labor Zionism is I was reading some stuff, and this came up in my class too, um, on Jewish Israeli literature, on Israeli literature, and uh, um, all the bickering that went on by all these guys, um, by um, Bar Borokov and by, um, uh, who is it, Beryl Katznelson and Katz Nelson cracks me up because he is this just grizzled looking guy and him, if I get this right, he and, um, early socialists got into really heated arguments about whether or not socialism would work in the Marxist philosophy, uh, in, uh, in, in pre-state Israel because, there were no factories. There were very few factories. They didn't make anything. There was only agriculture. And Marxism was an industrialist, not an agricultural movement. Uh, so there were just, and, and what they proposed and what they developed over time, labor, uh, Zionism, what eventually became the kibbutz, um, which were the socialist collectives in pre-state Israel. They even exist to this day. Um, and the other thing that's really interesting about labor Zionism is how kind of, and I don't know how this works, how kind of insignificant David Ben-Gurion actually was in it in the beginning. He was seen as this tertiary periphery, periphery guy. So um, 
I got to finish that. <laughs> I got to finish that biography to find out um, how he got himself in there. Um, but yes, yeah, so um, then on a, uh, a, another one after uh, labor Zionism is cultural Zionism by Ahad Ha'am, whose name name is also Asher Zvi Hirsch Ginsburg. Um, I don't know if it's because he did what a lot of Jews did when they came to uh, Israel, and that is Judaize their name. They got rid of the uh, the Germanic name that they had. Hold on just one sec. Mm. Interesting thing, a lot of those names, like Schwartz uh, Black, um, were given because... Um, kingdoms and governments decided that people had to have last names for uh for accounting purposes so they took names they didn't have last names so um a lot of them reverted to these or just plain made up um hebrew names so it's pretty fascinating so the next one, cultural Zionism um is a fulfillment of the national revival of the Jewish people says fulfillment of the national revival of the Jewish people should be achieved by creating a cultural center in the land of Israel and an educative center to the Jewish diaspora, which together will be a bulwark against the danger of assimilation and threatens the existence of the Jewish people. So from what I gathered, cultural Zionism is to ensure that we just as a people don't die out. Um, I don't know if it's uh, if it had any political aspirations, but cultural Zionism is a part of Israel today, and and I'm going to get into that because um, and and is one of the things that the the Jewish agency and a lot of the arts and museums and historical uh, structures that are in Israel um, do. To this day, so cultural Zionism, and and I I am I'm going to talk about how all of these combine in the end. So the last three. So there's another one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that one before I talk about these last two. And that one is, um, no, there are four. So I have. Um, revisionist Zionism. Now, revisionist Zionism, so revisionist history, revisionism is a weird term because uh, if you use it the way revisionist historians say, well, that means you're changing history to fit the needs. And that's happened in Israel. There have been revisions in history um, that have been, that have had to have been made because apparently they were initially revised uh, to make the state look good. Uh, or um, there has been revision by Israel's enemies to make it look bad, saying they did things they didn't. Um, but they've done things and said that they didn't as well. And we'll talk about that because that ties into revisionists, Zionism, which is a revision of what Zionism originally was meant to be. And it emphasized the romantic elements of Jewish nationality and the historical heritage of the Jewish people in the land of Israel as the constituent basis for the Zionist national idea 
and the establishment of the Jewish state. So, in a nutshell, um, it is exactly what the Maskelim did, and where they elevated uh, in the in the um, Zionist consciousness who they were, what they were. We are people who work the land. We are people who do this. But what's interesting is that elevation also happened in the labor movement. Um, if you watch old videos about the kibbutzim and about how um, Jews have come after thousands of years and reclaimed their homeland. And it's really a great story, and it is 100% true, but that puffing of the chest and back of the uh, pushing your shoulders back and your chin up it's it's part of it, it was really impressed upon by the revisionist zionists um they supported liberalism and particularly economic liberalism and opposed labor zionism and the establishment of a communist society in the land of israel and what's interesting about that is how that has developed over time into the economic powerhouse that Israel is to this day. And the individual rights and individual liberties um, that are needed, required um, for them to maintain a stable democracy. Um, and that is, I mean, honestly, I do have to say that is due to the revisionist Zionism uh, of Zev Jabotinsky and Menachem Begin by putting those ideas in there, you know, you're not going to tell me where I have to work. I'm going to work where I want to work. And if I fail, I fail. Um, but there is a bad side to, <laughs> there's, I don't know. I, I, I guess it, there are people who subscribe to that, but there were people who also said, um, we like what you're doing but we don't think you're doing it hard enough. One of the things that the revisionists advocated for, though, um, was, and, and I'm pretty sure this coincides with the 1929 massacre in, um, in Hebron, where the Jewish community in Hebron rapes, murders, all of that by their Arab neighbors. Um, and it was instigated by the mullah of Jerusalem. Um, that caused them to want to uh that caused them to want to push back to fight back to gain a militant aspect to their zionism um but there were some within the group who didn't think that they were militant enough and they are what's called the revolutionary zionists and i know that i'm pushing over this and i'm brushing over this that's because i'm going to dedicate an entire episode to this um now the revolutionary zionists abraham stern um israel eldad and uri zvi greenberg were they were self-described terrorists that's what they called themselves and they advocated attacking Arab communities in response, retaliation, doing first strikes, and doing some uh, really messed up things. They would assassinate other Jews. They assassinated um, the British. Their main issue and their main bone of contention was ensuring that there was a 
unbridled, unobstructed flow of Jewish immigration into Israel. And when the British released the white paper and kind of put a clamp on it, um, they went into overdrive. They were responsible. They say it's the Argun who were responsible. Uh, well, well, they were responsible for the bombing at the King David Hotel in Jerusalem. And what's interesting about that is originally Haganah, which was the Labor Party, Zion or Labor Zionists, Mapai, and all of them. Um, originally, they said okay. David Ben Gurion said okay. Golda Meir said okay. And then the Irgun, for the Irgun, uh, which were the militant arm of revisionist Zionism. So yeah, that's why there's got to be a whole episode. They said it's okay for the revisionists and the revolutionists to go and blow it up. And then all of a sudden they said, no, we don't support it. You need to stop. Lehi, which was the militant arm of the uh, the revolutionaries under Avram Stern, the Stern gang, they blew it up. And they were also responsible, apparently... No, they were. They were responsible. Them and the Ergun were responsible for a massacre on an Arab village, there Yassin. And there is, interestingly, some question as to whether or not actually Mapai, the labor, Ben-Gurion authorized it and then publicly uh, denounced it. So there's a lot of blame there's a there's a lot and we're gonna go into that i'm just trying to tell you about the zion <laughs> different zionism streams but they are two of them and it's important to understand that there are different flavors and styles of zionism um the next one is wow go from that to this religious zionism now religious zionism um was established by Yitzhak Yaakov Reines, uh, the founder of Mizraki, uh, which is a organization that, per, uh, if I've got this correct, that wanted um, immigration to the land of Israel. And by Abraham Isaac Cook, who is just an amazing guy, interesting story, um, and basically Jewish nationality <clears throat> and the establishment of the state of Israel is a religious duty to them demanded and derived from the Torah. So it's a mitzvah, it's a commandment to move to Israel and to be a part of the state and to bring about the state because he maintained that human acts of redeeming the land will bring about the Messiah as their slogan states the land of Israel for the people of Israel, according to the Torah of Israel. Now, I don't know how in-depth they um, they push for a religious state or if they are just advocating for a Jewish state, on a, of a, a state run by Jews versus a state run on um, the Torah. I don't know. Um, I know they live their lives according to the Torah and they would... They would hope that the government would live according to the Torah. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. I don't, I have to go more deeply into that. And I actually, that's a good idea for an episode. I'll do an episode on that. 
The other one and the last one is Reform Zionism. And the Zionist arm of the Reform and Progressive branch of Judaism, this is basically Zionism based on democratic principles. Um, there are issues that I have with it because... Um, it doesn't necessarily push for a Jewish state. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Hey, if I learn something new, I learn something new. Um, but yeah, so there are so many different types of Zionism. And that reform Zionism goes all the way back to, from what I understand, the 1800s. Um, and purports to be uh, in accordance with reform Judaism and their their um, ideas and goals uh, for Judaism and progressive Judaism, which, again, in accordance with their ideals and goals. Um, so all of these guys got together, and I only have a couple more minutes. And I want to wrap this up. They all got together at the World Jewish Congress. Um, the first one was August 29th to August 32nd, 1897. And in it, they adopted the Basel Program. And that is Zionism aims at establishing for the Jewish people a publicly and legally assured home in Palestine for the attainment of this purpose. The Congress considers the following means serviceable. The promotion of the settlement of Jewish agriculturalists, artisans, and tradesmen in Ottoman Palestine. The federation of all Jews into local or general groups according to the laws of the various countries. The strengthening of the Jewish feeling and consciousness, meaning it's okay to be a Jew, be proud to be a Jew. Preparatory steps for the attainment of those governmental grants which are necessary to the achievement of the Zionist purpose. And until 1917, the World Zionist Organization pursued a strategy of building a Jewish national home through persistent small-scale immigration, the founding of such bodies as the Jewish National Fund, yay, plant a tree for Israel in 1901, um, a charity that bought land for Jewish settlements in the Anglo-Palestine Bank, which provided loans for Jewish businesses and farmers. <clears throat> and in 1942, at the Biltmore, Com uh, at the Biltmore Conference, the movement included, next page please, the movement included for the first time an express objective of the establishment of a Jewish state in the land of Israel. So um, what year was that? Holy, holy junk. That was in 1942. So that was during the Holocaust. Um, they, they, they made that proposal. Now. The 28th Zionist Congress, meeting in Jerusalem in 1968, <clears throat> they adopted the five points of the Jerusalem program as the aims of Zionism today. And they are the unity of the Jewish people and the centrality of Israel in Jewish life. Boom. In gathering of the Jewish people in its historic homeland, Eretz Israel, through Aliyah from all countries. So... The ingather, bringing Jewish people uh, to emigrate to Israel, their historic homeland. The strengthening of the state of Israel based on the prophetic vision of justice and peace. Preservation of the identity of the Jewish people 
through fostering of Jewish and Hebrew education and of Jewish spiritual and cultural values and the protection of Jewish rights everywhere. So Zionism basically is about establishing a home for Jews in their historic homeland. And that, whether whether right or wrong in their application of it, is what all of these groups of amazing men and women who have worked tirelessly, some at the cost of their lives, to bring a safe haven for Jews everywhere and to bring them home. Um, and as always, next year, Jerusalem became a reality. Wow, that's so cool. Oh, I got chills. Woo. So, all right, that's it. Um, we went a little bit over. Um, <clears throat> we went a little bit over. I'm a little moved. Uh, this was such a cool episode. I really got to flesh out Zionism, and I wound up going on a little bit of a, whoo, a couple of a uh, couple of side trips, um, just because there's so much information, and it. it is such a hilly journey, um, with so many uh, turnoffs with scenic views. <laughs> I don't know. All right, that's it. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being part of this episode and learning everything that you could about Zionism. Um, if you like this video, please give it a like, um, subscribe, and hit the notification bell if you want to. Uh, if you want to get the brand new episodes when they come out. If you want to take us with you, as I said before, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. Also, definitely, definitely, definitely check out our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. And on Instagram and Facebook, I think even on Twitter, I'm putting out all of our 12 Cities in Israel modern Hebrew stuff. Um, we've got, we, I finished the Aleph Bet deck, and the video is being edited right now for our Kickstarter campaign. So if you're interested, um, please uh be an investor in this wonderful opportunity to teach people the modern hebrew language all right that's it um thanks a lot guys Shalom, 
שתי לפרח אני שר. רק זאת שאלתי, שליבי נתתי, הושטתי לפרח אני שר. 